What's up, y'all? What's up, y'all? Welcome back to HRT. I am unbelievably excited for this episode. I have kept it a secret for a long time, so I'm excited that I finally get to share it with you guys. Um, if you've heard of the show Transparent on Amazon Prime, then you're going to want to stay for a while. And if you haven't, I bet you're going to want to watch it after you watch this episode. Um, but today's guest is the creator, writer, and director of the show Transparent, Joey Soloway. Joey is non-binary themselves, uh, and Transparent is about a transgender woman, Mora, who transitioned very late in life, but it's not only about her transition as a transgender woman, but it's also about, you know, her transition in all aspects of her life and her family's life, too. Each one of her family members goes through one of their own transitions, I guess. There's also some non-binary uh, representation in that show as well. Uh, you get to see how each of her family members copes and handles uh, the fact that she's trans. Um, and yeah, I've been watching the show every single morning during breakfast with my girlfriend, and I've been hooked. It's it's a really great show. I definitely recommend it. Uh, the show actually has won a Golden Globe, and Joey themselves has won two Emmys for the show. Uh, and not only is the show a show on Amazon Prime, but... It's also a musical, and it's going on Broadway in 2024 this year. Uh, so I am. This is this is a milestone for for HRT, and I'm so happy that I get to share it with you guys. Um, and also, we also get to talk about Joey themselves, and you know their gender identity and how they came to terms with it while writing and creating a show, and and all and all things good. And I'm just. Very, very thankful that I got to talk to them, and I couldn't have without the help of you guys. So thank you so much. Um, I know you're going to enjoy it. And that's about it. I don't give a shit about Patreon or Discord right now. Let's just go talk to Joey. Thanks so much, guys. Bye. Um, okay, so I want to talk about Transparent and the, the musical and everything else, but first I want to get to know you a little bit as a person. Um, so I'm going to do that by starting off asking you where you're from. I am from Chicago. Chicago? Have you always lived there? Um, I lived there with my family on the south side until like middle school. Then we became north siders as a family. And then like professionally, we all went our separate ways. My sibling and I split. I went to the West Coast. Faith became an East Coaster. And my parents are still in Chicago. And I'm drifting eastward now. I'm in Provincetown right now and dreaming of like a future out here. Nice. Okay. So now how was Chicago with all things trans growing up? I mean, I didn't even, I didn't really know I was trans until probably, you know, 10 years ago. So it was a different world. You know, my parent is trans, so I'm second generation trans, but my parent didn't come out until she was 70. 70. And I was 40. 40? No, actually I was 45. So I just like assumed I was cis until I was 45. How old are you now? I am 58. 58. I would have yeah. never guessed that, to be honest. I with know you. because you know we get we get younger when you 
Yeah, just to go backwards. <laughs> That's very true. Yeah. Uh, so you came out as non-binary at 45, you said? Somewhere in there, yeah. Maybe later, maybe more like, actually probably more like 50. I'm going to say 50. Okay. So now when did you know you were bi- non-binary before you came out to everybody else? Like how long were you closet before, I guess? I mean, I've, now that I'm looking back on it, you know, you kind of have to do the work of looking through your whole life and figuring out, like, what was essentially you and what was your transness. Obviously, you know, I feel that I, you know, had there been a way to assign me trans at birth, that would have been the best for me. And if I could have been raised non-binary, if I, if I could have gotten that X on my, on my birth certificate and be seen as both from the moment I was born, then maybe I would be able to answer that question, you know, of like, what did I know? (laughs) But that would have been, I think, I think that's a humane option to give to parents. Yeah, I agree. Now, how was the process of like coming out for you? Like, where did it all start? It was super duper slow. It was so slow. It was just years and years and years of being cis and feeling but I feel queer, but I feel like a gay man. I'm like saying these things over and over again to people. I'm a gay man trapped in a woman's body, like saying it as a joke, writing it as my comedy voice. Mm-hmm. Um, come to find out, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it took a while to really understand, you know, in our whole family, I like to say three out of four of us were in the wrong gender. Wow. You know, my dad was a woman, my sibling and I were boys. Who knew? You know, it took yeah. my it took my parent coming out to us when she was seventy, and then like another ten years, I think, for my sibling and I to both come out as non-binary and trans. So yeah, now everybody's trans. <laughs> I love that, honestly. Period. <laughs> it's a majority trans family at the moment. <laughs> That's pretty cool. Now, I mean, given that most of your family is is trans i'm guessing that the coming out process to them wasn't too bad how did they take it i mean it was actually funny i mean that i have like a moment where i came out sort of to myself and to the world where i really knew and mm-hmm. um i had been working on transparent and you know we had been in a world where everybody was trans around me mm-hmm. and i had been just kind of really relating to the people who were non-binary mm-hmm. even though at first like um, yeah, I just, they felt so familiar to me. I was like, oh, that's who I would be if I would have been born now. If I would have been given that choice, like to have that as my gender at the age of whatever, 12 or 13, whenever maybe people would want to choose their gender. Um, I would have been like that. That's what I would have been. And then a few years later, probably it took so many, it took trans people saying to me like, Joey, you don't need an ID card. You don't need permission. There is no laminator. No one has to tell you that you're trans. You can just be trans. Right. Yeah. The only one who's going to know is you at the end of the yeah. day. Yeah. It took lots of people saying that to me for years before I had like a moment where I was actually directing an episode of I Love Dick. Mm-hmm. And I was getting, you know, as I was like doing my thing, I was getting a lot of ma'am, yes, ma'am, yes, ma'am, you know, as part of like working with the mm-hmm. crew. And I was like, I can't do it anymore. Like, I felt like I was in the closet and I was going to burst. And so we had these, we have these, like, we had this 
way of starting every day where we would stand in a circle and kind of share because mm. I was always bringing, you know, feminist circle-based gathering techniques to being a filmmaker. Mm. And um, can you see this construction that's going on outside here? It's so appropriate for... <laughs> it's okay. It's life. not very loud. Yeah, it's, it's good background. <laughs> this is the life out here on Cape Cod. <laughs> Cape Cod. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I just like got on the box and I was like, Hey everybody, I need to come out on my pronouns. You know, I'm non-binary and my pronouns are they, them. I'm not a woman. So, you know, no more of the she, her and, you know, no more of the ma'am and people like, what, what, you know, what, right. what are we supposed to call you? And I'm like, I don't know, boss. We <laughs> 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 switched to boss, uh, or whatever, buddy or however felt more comfortable to me. Mm -hmm. And it, ever since then, it's been like, as you know, a one day at a time, one hour at a time, trying to me remake. Yeah. Who would I be if I had been this way my whole life? What part of me is shame from growing up in cis-normativity? And what part is me, you know? Right. Luckily, yeah. you don't have to go back that far. I have to go back, like, you know, <laughs> 50 years yeah. of another no, name and another gender being like, what was me and what was, you know? forced upon me by, you know, compulsory cis-normativity. Very true. Not to make you feel old, but I think you're the oldest person I've had on, on the podcast. <laughs> no, it's totally fine. <laughs> I know, I know. I can't believe that I'm a trans elder. It's so funny to me. <laughs> Honestly, though, I thought I, you were maybe like or late late 30s, maybe early yeah. 40s. I would have no idea. It's um, the impeccable hormone. <laughs> right. right. Speaking of hormones, uh, have you ever been on hormones? Do you ever want to go on hormones? Or no? Yeah, I'm currently kind of in my own. I feel like all trans people are in the business of being their own endocrinologists and own hormone doctors mm -hmm. and cobbling together, you know, advice from multiple people and creating our own mm -hmm. balance. Right. Because nobody's really going to do that for us, and there's no field, and, and we are the people who are kind of, like, making the tracks in the snow, so we have to take that responsibility. Mm -hmm. And I'm, like, trying to perfect a non-binary version of me, where I'm really, like, trying to be both at all times, and that I really want to be, like, confu utterly confusing to people. You want to be confusing Eileen to people? Miles said, the awkwardness uh, is the point. Yeah. of the they, them pronouns. It immediately, you know, mm -hmm. creates boundaries around you in a room. People are either in or they're out. And it's kind of a pleasure to move through the world that way. Right. Yeah. That's cool. I had a guest, Cameron, who uh, is non-binary, and they went on testosterone for a year, I think, or so. And after a year, they stopped because mm. they hit that, like, sweet spot of, like, they were perfectly comfortable, you know, mm. people being a little confused in public and stuff. So that's really cool. Yeah. And when they stopped, what happened? Uh, physically, I think not like they, they were comfortable in where they were mentally. I think they did say they, there were some things to get used to, I guess, mentally. Cause when you stop hormones, a lot of things in, in your head, I feel like get a little, confusing you know you go through mood swings and whatnot but yeah yeah that's why I feel like the kind of non-binary thinking can also apply to your own like self-medication because 
the first person, you know, as I learned from friends of mine who were non-binary and what they were doing, I had a friend who was just like using T-gel and they were sort of like, you know, some days I want more, some days I want less. Mm. You know, some days I want to feel more whatever, whatever testosterone mm. brings. It, it, it brought me so much confidence. It's insane, like how much it changed me. And same, you know, with friends of mine who are kind of on this journey going like, oh gosh, you know, let's be gay men, you know, yeah. it's so much more fun. And, yeah. you know, it made me like, it made me feel confident enough to do stand up. you know, yeah. immediately able to get to feel comfortable on stage. Mm. Um, it's a weird thing. And I just don't feel like people have to be either on it or off it. And same with estrogen, by the way, like, I also want to be able to keep my skin looking a certain way, you know, as mm -hmm. whatever, I don't know what I am, a silver twink, you know, <laughs> I, like I want, I want the right to be beautiful, you know, right. to age yeah. beautifully. So that, so I should be able to have estrogen too, you know. And people, people forget that non-binary people can also medically transition too, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like there's no one way. Cause I mean, I think you explained it as you more, and correct me if I'm wrong, but you want to feel more like both, right? Yes, yes. Where, where Cameron, I asked Cameron that, and Cameron was like, I think I want to feel like neither. Interesting. So I think there's so many different variations of mm -hmm. non-binary, I feel like, so that's really interesting, I feel like. And also I feel like it's both, sometimes I say it's like both neither always changing. Both neither always changing, yeah. I like that for sure. Um, now, I want to also ask you a question that I had in my mind, and okay. that's not there anymore. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, but when did you know you wanted to be a writer and a, and a director and work in filmmaking and stuff? Um, so I was always writing with like my friends and stuff my whole life, and they all remind me of it now, and I remind myself of it now. From a really young age, I was always creating stories with my sibling, Faith. And Faith and I were gathering the neighborhood children into plays and putting on shows and mm -hmm. really early on doing like this circle based, you know, let's all make something. Let's celebrate, you know, putting on mm -hmm. a show like like circus people, like <laughs> theater people. My parents were doing um, like musicals. It was the 70s. You know, mm -hmm. it was the dream. We were listening to the cast album recordings of and Jesus Christ Superstar and imagining ourselves, you know, um, in the lead roles, you know. We didn't That's quite awesome. yet know, you know, that we had been, like, assigned female at birth because my mom was such a hippie and it was, like, a very transy time, you know. Faith and I had, like, short hair and Faith really was mo more or less a boy, um, mm -hmm. you know. The Rude Awakening, I think, came for both of us at like the ages of 12 or 13, um, when, yeah, you start to go through puberty, you realize, oh, there's a difference. But we didn't really have like the mom who forced femininity upon us. She was totally comfortable with us being really non-binary in retrospect, I look back. That's cool. Yeah. And so we, we kind of were we, were, we raised ourselves in many ways as boys. I think Faith as a straight boy, me as a gay boy not really understanding that we had been assigned female at birth. And I think that was the confusion in our lives. You know, Faith coming out as a lesbian and me, like, never really feeling like 
the requirements of being a woman made sense to me. Mm -hmm. That's super interesting. I, cause I relate to that so hard. I spent, you know, till I was at least 14, basically living as a male, but, and I, I didn't think about gender at that age. You don't think about that. Right. So kids, kids, kids don't understand that. And, you know, whenever someone would make it apparent that I was born female and stuff, then I would, oh, I always remember getting just upset and I didn't understand why right. until I knew what trans was, you know what I mean? Right. Because you don't think about the, those things. You're just, you're right. just you're live just their happy yeah. little lives. Yeah. Yeah. That's really cool though. Yeah. Um, thanks for sharing that with me. Oh, of course. Um, yeah. It's basically when people start to expect puberty that right. you start to have to contend with the expectations of mm -hmm. what you've been assigned at birth. Yeah. Uh, tell me a little bit about uh, Transparent, though, and what inspired it. I want to get into that a little. Right. So as I was saying, my own parent came out when they were 70, and I was like 40, maybe. No, I think I was actually, sorry, I was 50. I would, I would have been like, it was about 10 years ago. So you were 50 so, yeah, when you I would have been 48 when, I, 48 when they came out. Oh, <clears throat> and so, yeah, I was a filmmaker at the time, and I was really finding my voice as a filmmaker and talking all the time about the female gaze and what is the female gaze and what's the male gaze and just like, where do you put the camera? What's the heroine's journey? Um, how is it different from the hero's journey? Are there, are there things that are essentially feminine about filmmaking or using a camera, you know? Um, so I was already obsessed with all of these questions. Yeah. I had, you know, always been thinking about gender, constantly thinking about gender. Um, and, yeah, I guess, yeah, as you say, I was a guy all that time. Mm -hmm. And contending with, you know, I think the expectations put upon me by kind of like being like a gender clown. I was kind of like in this kind of like girl drag. I would wear like. Doc Martens and leggings and like dresses made out of aprons and everything was like a comment on being on femininity. Mm. Mm. And that was like somehow I think how I got through life, like, you know, and then always being like so awkward at any of the things where, where it was like women are talking about shoes now women are talking about. I mean, but also I could do it. I could code switch, you know, right. Yeah. So it was like led me, you know, ultimately led me to a place of like, yeah, like probably most like a gay man who like wants to get his nails done, you know. So did you did you or spend... sweater gay is how I identify now. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> Do you think that in the start of your transition, um, a little bit or your coming out, did you think were you I guess did you feel more comfortable in the beginning as thinking you were a trans man and then it kind of led into being non-binary or did you know from the very start you were non-binary? I definitely, I needed to go through each and every, I went through every gender journey, like, you know, and needed to stop at each place along the way, you know, them all first out. from like, okay, my dad is trans. <clears throat> that was kind of like, I come by my queerness naturally. This feeling I've always had, this you know thing that I would joke about, oh, I'm a gay man trapped in a woman's body. This is my legacy. Like, wait a minute, you know, it's not, yeah. it's not a joke. It's like, it's in my blood. 
right? Yeah, when my, it, that's what, you know, when my dad came out. Mm-hmm. So, so you're sort of just like, oh, there's something wrong with me. Like, this is who I am, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. I remember so. saying things like that, too. Yeah. I'd be like, man, I wish I was a boy. Anyways, what's for dinner? <laughs> and like, and it'd be like not a red flag to anybody. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> We're so lucky that we happen to live in this moment on Earth. Like, I'm so lucky that my dad came out, you know, and mm-hmm. that the results of that have changed the world enough that I can have a conversation with you and we can affect each other's lives, you know. So I'm just reporting in about, like, what it was like. You think when your parent came out, was it? I mean, because it, it was, when did you say, what year was it when your parent came out? I it would have been like 10 years ago, like ni- 92, 92, 93. Yeah, things, things were very different than, you know, surrounding totally the trans different. community. Do you think you, uh, were you able to have like open conversations about it back then or no? About being transness? trans? Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, it was so weird. It was sort of like... When my dad came out as trans, I really went deep into making a, a, a film. And I was like, if you're a woman, I'm a director. Like, that's mm. what happened to me for years. I just went straight into, I put all of my energy into being a filmmaker and made a film called Afternoon Delight, which actually, if you look at it now, is really about being trans. I mean, everything I did is about being trans, but that's absolutely about the divided feminine about a wife inviting a sex worker into the home to, you know, have her husband contend with, you know, the reality of the divided feminine in her home. Right. Yeah, so it was right after that where it was like, okay, now I have to make transparent. And it was it was at a time where it didn't exist yet. Mm-hmm. And so there was shame everywhere. I was ashamed to even tell people that this was true about my dad because it just was, you know, mm-hmm. I thought of it as cross-dressing. It was cross-dressing, you know, as explained to me and my sibling at the time. And, you know, now we understand the the stages of what that means and, and how, you know, Eddie Izzard, um, Susie mm-hmm. Izzard, you know, mm-hmm. is a British trans woman. Um, my parent is a British trans woman. You know, we grew up watching Monty Python. Like, we were in a world where that's where our transness was, you know, mm-hmm. in comedy and men cross-dressing. It's like, that's where, that's where it all existed. So when that happened, I wrote the show as a way to just kind of understand it and create what I call, like, a doll's version. When you're like, how long have you been writing? I was always like, I feel like... People assigned female at birth are always writing. They're always, you know, we mm. play dolls. We play paper dolls. We create stories. We're always storifying. Actually, it's like patriarchy that makes us think that actually men are better at telling stories or cis men are better at telling stories. True. But in fact, like, we've been playing dolls, like, from the moment when we can and, and turning things into story. Um, so, yeah, I realized that. And I wrote the script as a way to, like, come out to people you know I sent it to my agent and I'm like he's like wow what a story and I'm like yeah it's true was he like taken back by that yeah kind of yeah I mean I could yeah 
Yeah, he was, but I couldn't have like told him over the phone. I had to like be able to send it to him and then like make sure, you know, it just was so transgressive an idea at the time for me. I called certain friends of mine who I knew would like be able to kind of talk me through it. And, you know, amazing people who, you know, I've been like in the trans and queer community forever, you know, so I never knew why. I never knew why I was in, you know, because I was always dating cis men. Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah, just you know, figured it out, and making the transparent pilot was just a way of figuring it out, and like making dolls out of everybody in our family, so that you know I could, I think, face it. Right now, this was the show aired for the first time in 2014, right? I'm gonna say so. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's yeah. what I read. It was we we got to make just the pilot. It was a different like time and a different process. Mm -hmm. So Amazon basically just like gave us the money to shoot a pilot and then they put the pilots up and there was like immediate critical acclaim. And so they ordered it to series, but yeah, things don't really work that way anymore yeah. on the streamers. Now, even 2014 was still, I mean, it's not like 2014 was forever ago. Trans people have been around for much longer than 2014, but of course still a different time than it is now you know what i mean trans people or transness wasn't talked about or even seen in the light that it is now at all so when the show did air what do you think it was like for you being so seen publicly for being a trans activist and eventually you know part of the community as well yeah well i i didn't identify as trans when the show came out so i had i kind of like took on the you know the deserving um, talk back from the community as a cis person who this community experienced me as like a cis person using the trans world for my, you know, for my pop, for my cis, cis perspective or cis power. Do you think so, that? Yeah, like, that was, that was a, a, a rude awakening. Yeah. Do you think, you know, if you were, if you had been non-binary when the show aired, do you think people would have listened to you? Like in interviews and stuff, do you think they would have listened to you as as much as they did as when? I you don't were know. I feel like it's like a weird time machine question. You know, that's almost impossible yeah. to ask. You know, like yeah. I became non-binary because of the show, and the show almost like you know, I worked on I worked on Six Feet Under. You know, back in the day, and somebody once said, like, Six Feet Under was a show designed to kill Nate. You know, mm -hmm. he walked into that funeral home on the first day and had to kind of get into the embalming business, which is what scared him the most about his father. Mm. And it was like Six Feet Under was a show about a family inheriting, you know, a, a funeral business. Mm. Um, and also inheriting, like, the big questions about death. And I think, you know, Transparent was a show about, like, a family inheriting a legacy of queerness when like in the pilot they thought they were inheriting a house yeah very true because the show is not i mean the main character is trans right mora and at first you know when i first started watching the show i was under the impression that it would be all about her and her transition and it's not it's it's it is a lot about her and trans people in general and gender expression, but it's also about how the family copes with it, right? And their their own transitions as cis people and non-binary people even. And I thought that was really interesting, to be honest. 
Yeah, Ari, I mean, my journey is all right there, you know. I mean, everything Ari went through, um, Faith and I have gone through and mm. then some, you know. We're we're so lucky that we're able to translate it into the musical right now and Faith is writing the lyrics and the music for a transparent musical, which is this kind of grand operatic unbelievable musical version of like sort of what we're talking about is this question of like who would we be if we didn't have that shame and Ali yeah. travels well Ari travels to Weimar Berlin just like in the show mm. and meets um their transestor and kind of comes back with transforming what they felt like you know was a curse into a blessing through song and yeah, dance on ice um, <laughs> on ice I didn't, I didn't know that part that's awesome <laughs> um, no, on broadway it. hopefully <laughs> yeah <laughs> i uh i want to talk more about the musical but uh first and you might have already answered this in a way but actually first when did you come out as non-binary like did you come out after the show was done like after season five or like in the middle of the I show i think it was when i think it was like between four and five Four and five. Okay. Um, so since it's the show is based on your personal experiences and your experiences with a transparent, do you think the process of, I know you kind of already answered this, but do you think that directing it and writing it and like even maybe watching sh some of the show back, like, did do you think you learned more about yourself? Oh my gosh, so much. I can't even believe it. I mean, it's really quite a document. And I Love Dick, which was happening at the same time. Um, season four of Transparent, I was flying. I flew from like, you know, Tel Aviv to Marfa to film, you know, I Love Dick. Mm. And that was a really crazy time where Amazon was giving us access to money to be able to really like investigate the female gaze. You know, that's what I Love Dick was. So I was like, there was no way I was going to turn down an opportunity to be making, you know, filmmaking, even though it was such a busy time in my life. Right. But I came out kind of accidentally, I'm sure. I'm sure I was like non-binary in my private life. And then um, there was some, I, I remember there was like one or two different like press things that happened because of the show. I think one was like on Fresh Air and one was an article this woman, Ariel, was writing about me for The New Yorker, and I just changed my pronouns in them, and, you know, it was kind of a slow roll, slow rollout. Gotcha, yeah. Because I can't imagine, like, having, I mean, I guess through the podcast, I do dissect a lot of my past and, like, how I looked at myself when I was young, but yeah. to your extent, I feel like I can't imagine, like, you know, watching my life back, in a sense. I think that's kind of cool. Yeah, it's, it's definitely healing. I feel like when I'm, like, in, you know, in the old people's home, I'll just be like, put my show on again. I want to see my people. Like, they're little yeah. dolls of everything that's ever happened. Mm -hmm. That's pretty cool. Now, um, there's a lot of ways to go about trans and non-binary representation uh, in the media. Now, with Transparent, what do you think was, like, the biggest message for the world to know about trans people? Like, did you want to show that trans people are normal people, that they're not, you know, predators? <laughs> like half the world thinks we are. Yeah, I think my first motivation when I first wrote the pilot was to make the world a safer place for my parent to exist. Mm. 
-hmm. Yeah. Which felt like this kind of Herculean task and felt like I was trying to like move the world, you know, or move the planet with like my ability to, if I could write fast enough, you know, very Jewish, like Messiah complex, like I have to save the world, (laughs) you know, or I can change the world with my art, you know, or if I can, I must try. Um, I always felt like it was kind of my job to translate complex messages into like simple, really popular ideas. And I don't know why I thought that, but I definitely like thought that when I was a teenager and like made that part of my college application. That's really cool. I think for when there's, there was such trans representation in that show, even for 2014, like for 2014, like, as I said, 2014 was not as progressive as we are now. How did you like encounter it as a, how old were you when you encountered it and did it affect your, some people were like, I had to watch it in secret or I couldn't tell my family to watch it or. Uh, like when did I like realize like what like trans did, was? When you were watching Transparent, were you watching it with your family and coming out to them or just kind of like. Uh, I, I didn't see Transparent in 2014. I, I recently found Transparent and then I reached out to you. <laughs> uh-huh. Uh, but I think, cause I came out in 2016, I think, uh, still times were different, but somebody had to literally be like, Hey, like you're trans. Did you know that? Wow. <laughs> like, you know, I don't know if I would have came to that conclusion myself in, in 2014, 2016. I probably would have by like 2020. But mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? It was it was a different time. And trans people were still talked about a little bit, but non-binary people, for for non-binary representation to be in the media in that time, I th- I feel like is a big deal. You know yeah. What I mean? And we and were we doing it then? Were there were we doing I can trying to remember. Yeah, in twenty fourteen. So, yeah, I guess we were starting to have people who had their pronouns on there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then I think you really get to understand what non-binary is in the fourth yeah. season so i think and i think like one of the biggest season. problems with non-binary and the whole they them thing is like there's not a simple word for us yeah. you know so it's like i'm a they them or you know i'm a bothy like i have to i'm always trying to make people laugh like you know right. hey i'm a neither here nor there like you know they're <laughs> like right this way ladies i'm like i'm not a lady i'm a baby you know i'm always <laughs> having to like make a joke which is fine but I wish there was a really simple word. Like, oh, you're one of those. They, them, they, they, you know. <laughs> right, it's just like, yeah. yeah, you just wish you didn't have to go through all that. Mm-hmm. So maybe your generation can invent a, a good word. I hope so, yeah. Because, like, you know, that's why I feel like sometimes it seems confusing to the outside world because, you know, it's the whole, oh, you only, you only use they, them pronouns for a group, group of people, like, I don't know. I think you're right. If there was maybe a different word or something, people people would understand easier. Yeah, just to conceptualize. Like even for me, I was non-binary, but I didn't change my name until like five years into it. And I was always like really confused when people were still misgendering me, even though I was using my old, my old name. It just didn't make sense to me. You know, once you realize you're trans, like <clears throat> as you said, like the veil is lifted. You can't really go back. But it really didn't occur to me to change my name until I was like, I should probably change my name. 
so that people will just kind of like, it will help people to see me the more the way I see myself. And then when I did find my name and when I started using my name, that's when like, I think the exponential sen sense of who I was as a non-binary person, like actually began to create itself, mm, I you know, and that. be yeah. like, oh, I am this person, you know, sometimes when I was doing stand-up, I would be like, how do I know? I don't know. I, I went down to the DMV and asked them to put an X on my driver's license. Did you do that? You know? No, yeah. all right, that's all I got, you know? <laughs> I <laughs> yeah. did it. I don't know why I did it. I had to do it the second I could. Like, right. You know? Like, I know I'm I know I'm a trans man just as much as you over there, you know you're a cis man. I know I'm non-binary just as much as you know you're a cis woman. Like, there's right. no, like, big, deep explanation to it sometimes. Sometimes right. it is just the way it just is. is. Right. Yeah. Uh, do you think today, do you think there's enough non-binary representation in the media? I mean, there's a, not, not, not in the least, you know? Yeah. I mean, I think, I think non-binary thinking in all ways is like the beginning of a revolutionary way of thinking that whenever there are only two options, like three immediately goes to infinity and, um, like non-binary representation to me feels like, okay, there would have to be as many non-binary people as there are cis men or cis women in television and in film. Um, it would have to be for hundreds of years, you know, before there was enough representation, you know, non-binary people would want to feel like they grew up on non-binary everything, you know, cartoons and non-binary love boat and non-binary whatever, you know, sports and pageants and all of it, like for hundreds of years before we would feel what it feels like to be cis. That's true. Yeah. Because <laughs> I mean, off the top of my head, besides Transparent, the only show I can think of is Sex Education, which is a new show that has non-binary representation. And I feel like they do such a good job with, yeah. with it. Well, it's just there has to be non-binary creators and then there have to be non-binary agents, managers. When you right. go to pitch your right. show about a non-binary protagonist, chances are you're pitching it to a cis person who's like, it's not important to them. So, you know, the whole world has to transform just like in every industry. And that's why it's so important, like to, f for representation, like if I saw, uh, you know, in one of my stupid little Disney channel shows that I watched when I was little, if there was a trans guy in one of those shows, oh, it would change my world. Like yeah. it would have helped me out so much. That's why totally. it's important. Yeah. Well, what the miracle is that like you helped me by me being able to see you. I'd be like, you know, I can be like, oh, that's what I would have been like if I would have born now, if I would have been yeah. born now, you know. Right. But the thing that Faith and I are um, working on, like in the what it's all about, transparent, is this idea that fascism dem demands the binary. And it's the creating of the other that powers fascism. And the seeds of fascism are in, bi in binary thinking, in us, them. So being non-binary as a person, being non-binary as an artist, you're just kind of moving through the world, upsetting a, a really important structure that people hold onto to get through their day. And entire generations of men have so many sunk costs in the idea of what it means to be a man. You know, they're not yeah. handing it over. 
But one of the things that kind of I, rem I try to remind myself of is that there are trans Torah scholars who look back at sort of the time, you know, before the Old Testament was written, or actually when the Old Testament was written. Um, and there were six genders. I'm sure you've heard this as a trans person. There was, you know, two, two ways of being cis and four ways of being trans, depending on how you see it. Um, and so the majority of people actually, the minority of people would have been, you know, cis at that time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, so we just have to imagine a world where the impositions of cisgender are an option that some people get, but that our transness, our non-binariness, we have to imagine it as a potential essential way of being seen mm -hmm. and named from the moment we're born. Mm-hmm. Um, because we went from six genders down to two. That's interesting. As we moved into like a law culture. Yeah, that makes sense. And you know, I was going to say through, you know, watching Ari in Transparent, a lot of my guests, you know, they grew up with religion and religion was the thing that made, or being trans was the, was the thing that made them steer away from religion. Uh -huh. And I think religion, you know, Catholic and being Catholic and Christian and whatnot is for my past guests and even for me a little bit too, like religion did not help my journey or my experience as a trans person. But watching Ari in Transparent is the total opposite. I think religion... 100% help them realize who yeah. they are as a person, which I think is a different and very cool aspect and a new thing for trans people, I feel like, even though it was in 2014, you know what I mean? Yeah, I trans really people cool. can feel very, very at home in certain parts of the Jewish community. A lot of, a lot of temples are really trans-affirming, and there is a lot of trans scholarship right now. There's somebody named... Max Strassfeld, who's just an amazing trans Torah scholar. You should have him on. Um, I would love to. And yeah, just people who will blow your mind about this kind of stuff, you know. Um, and it's all the same, the, you know, the Catholics, the Catholic representation of the divine feminine, you know, still as separate from the Holy Trinity. You know, it's still, it's really the same thing. It's the kind of um, objectifying of the feminine and, and creating like a sense of the divine around, you know, the masculine only, the masculine mm -hmm. relationship with God. Mm. So like anybody who's part of any Western religion, Abrahamic religion, we all, you know, got the same thing, which is the erasure of the feminine. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, it, trying to change the narrative of, you know, it's a man's world in, a, in every sense, I feel like. Uh. Yeah. <laughs> well, like it could be, you know, what kind of man, you know, a man sure. like you, like, I could hope so. That would be amazing. Yeah, yeah right. <laughs> I think so, too. <laughs> um, but you answered it a little bit before, but in the sense of, like, what kind of response response you got from Transparent, like, was there a time where it was getting a lot of negative responses because because of you know, the main character being trans and how the whole show is, not the whole show, but a lot of it is surrounded by gender? Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> I think that's the hardest part about it in retrospect is like all of this beautiful, important work was done 
mm-hmm. but it was done from a position of ignorance mm-hmm. um, in me believing that a cis person's portrayal of a trans person I mean I didn't even know what I really didn't even know what was going on when I wrote the pilot let alone that I was trans and I think I had a a logic thread along the lines of like kind of cross-dressing and feminine cis men where I felt that Jeffrey was cis but that I was portraying something that wasn't necessarily um, a familiar idea of trans femininity because I was portraying the sort of secret cross-dressing clubs as Mm. a place where a lot of trans women began to find find themselves. So that was kind of how the logic worked in my mind where it's like, no, it's, it's okay that, you know, that this person is cis because I'm, I'm portraying that line Mm -hmm. and it still wasn't, you know, because I didn't really understand the political repercussions of what it would mean for the average American to see somebody that they knew like Jeffrey Tambor from Arrested Development Mm-hmm. in the role of a trans woman, they would continue then to believe that it was about this kind of costume, Halloween costume. So it did a lot of damage in that way. And I think did so. the good outweigh the damage, you know, history will, history hopefully will judge us cl- kindly, you know. I think also through the show, though, you see, like, in the way I perceived it, I guess, from the pilot to the end, you see how much you, as the director and the person who wrote it, you see how much you learned about what transness is. You know what I mean? Like, Yeah. I think it does a very good job at taking you through the process of, like, I don't know. Because even I feel like Mora, at the beginning, didn't know much about her gender identity either right and you kind of learn with her you know what I mean and I kind of watched it I tried at some points to try and watch it in the eyes of a cis person who didn't understand anything about being trans and I do Uh think it does a very good job at like kind of taking you through the process slowly with Uh said trans person I guess yeah and even even Josh you know Faith and I look back at season one and we feel like yeah Josh was actually so transphobic I think because Faith and I were and, mm-hmm. you know, we had a scene where Mora kind of like slowly let her hair down in front of Josh and kind of like allowed herself to be seen as mom, you know, with her sweater and her like, you know, we were trying to go from like ponytail dad, you know, with two rhinestone earrings to, you know, <laughs> you know, the dad and um, have her kind of become, you know, become herself and and it's a beautiful moment. And then Josh goes like right into her bedroom and sees like these drag performance wigs and like freaks out. Like it was mm-hmm. really trans misogynist in retrospect. And then Josh runs out, you know, because he's just like, can't believe that this is his parent, you know? So we were working out our own shame, you know? I was definitely working out my own shame. And, you know. Now, would you say that Ari was written after you? You know, Faith and I and all of the writers feel like everybody was all of us. There are so okay. many of the, you know, I, I find my own psychology in all of them, but everybody who worked on the show, the amazing writers who worked on the show, um, each and every one of them is like super brilliant and has gone on to create all kinds of content, including trans content. It would be amazing family tree to 
to to watch but um yeah I because each one of them has their own transition of their own as you know, mm. you know Josh being a cis man and Sarah being a cis female you know Sarah yeah. goes through her but own tell sexual me, I wanna, identity what do you, what tell me, what does that mean to you like that each one has their own transition I think Sarah throughout the show um her character in the beginning confused me a little bit because I didn't I I couldn't understand what transition they were going through in the sense or whatever um but I think at the end I realized that she learned a lot about her sexuality like a lot if that makes sense uh-huh. and her past traumas and stuff um I think all of them you know go through a very religious transition I think I think uh-huh. religion helped all of them a lot uh, and Shelly too, I think, you know, <laughs> she, she did a 180 herself with everything. I, I don't want to spoil the ending actually, but the ending, I knew she was still having feelings for said person at the end. And oh. I was like, ah, I knew it. I knew <laughs> it. <laughs> but yeah, I loved that aspect, you know, cause I think it also shows that trans people can force everybody else in their lives to look Uh inward at themselves and realize they needed to do a transition of their own, if that makes sense. Because I relate to that hard, like hardcore. Like I feel like I came out as trans and nobody in my family, my mom, my dad, they didn't really know what trans was. And they didn't mean to be transphobic, but they were, you know. They, They were by accident. And I think through time, the more they sat with themselves and thought about me, I think they it changed a lot of aspects in their lives. I know it changed like what religion looks like to my mom. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? I think she was very much uh, in the beginning. I remember her saying to me like, uh, "God made you the way you are. Like you're supposed to be this way." And I was like, "No, like exactly. God, God, God made me this way. <laughs> sure. Like, and this is who I am. I am showing uh-huh. you how He made me." And I think that you know. No, like, exactly. That should be the name of your memoir. <laughs> yeah, I like that, yeah. <laughs> I, th- I think it did change a lot uh, for the people around me, and I think... Yeah, so um, that's that amazing. Too. So her transition was to reacquaint herself toward her faith? Yeah, yeah. I, I think so, and I think that Mora did a lot of that, too. I think if Mora... And this is just my perception of the show. This is just what I think... Um, but I think that if Mora didn't transition, I think a lot of her family wouldn't have either, and they wouldn't have made mm. those milestones and things. You know what I mean? For sure. I mean, so that's that's really like the logic that I think we began to thread together as we were creating the show. Mm. So Faith and I, as we were moving into season two, were in contact with you know our own transparent who was sending us articles about Magnus Hirschfeld and the work that was being done at the Institute for Sexual Abuse and Shop in the early 30s, right before, you know, the rise of the Third Reich. And so, you know, forget the fact that there were six genders in the Torah, you know, before, you know, what happened around monotheism and law. This was a time where, um, you know, queerness and transness was everywhere in Berlin. Mm -hmm. And... Dr. Hirschfeld had amassed a gigantic library of over 30,000 volumes of books that he had been collecting since the early 1900s. 
And so when people talk about the Nazi book burnings and people are like, yeah, I did. I, I know about the Nazi book burnings. What people don't realize is that the books that were burned were these books. They were his books oh. about the multiplicity of gender. And so fast forward to when Faith and I are working on Transparent and we're writing, working with, you know, a writer named Our Lady J, who is an absolute genius. She is working on a one woman show or Broadway show. She's just like, look her up. We were working with her and she was writing an episode about Mora as a child. It was like, it was Mora um, kind of, you know, in her own mind, but also in a little league outfit on a field. And we all had this like big moment where she was like, well, we all would imagine like if there was no Hitler, if there were no book burnings, if we had all grown up with this idea that there are more than two genders since 1933, mm -hmm. I wouldn't have had to go through all this pain. Right. 100%. And it goes, it goes the same way of like in today's age too. Like if there was just more trans representation in, you know, Disney channel shows and Nickelodeon shows people today. I think it's happening. I think it's going to happen. I think it's yeah. slowly but surely happening. I think I it's think just so. it's just about moving trans people into those creative roles and those bio roles. Yeah. You know, we I have agree. the trans artists, but <clears throat> I don't think we have the trans infrastructure like trans lawyers who really want deals to happen and you know, people who are really looking out to protect trans creators like trans agents trans managers like it's we're still at the very 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 beginning you know i wanted to say also that one of my favorite parts of the show is when you see mora uh kind of in her past and you see her presenting as a woman like you see her presenting as a male because that's how the world saw her but the way she saw herself was as a cis woman mm. and i think you know there's a part where like you see both reflections like one was a male one was a female and i think mm. that was a very very nice way and very knowledgeable way to show cis people what it's like to be trans i like that a lot i appreciate that i was just squeezing one of those like stress ball things and, and it exploded thing just exploded all over me so you see <laughs> No problem. Doing weird things. That's why. Um, but <clears throat> so my last kind of question about. Wait, I wanted to ask you one more question. You said that oh, yeah. your transness, sure. your mother moved more towards a different spirituality. How did it affect your father? My father wasn't very religious. I mean, he was, but he wasn't very, like, didn't talk about it very much, I don't think. Um, he just looked at it. He, he heard the word trans and thought drag queen. He did not understand what it was like at all. And he was way, like, he took the excuse of, like, I'm worried how the world is going to perceive you. You know what I mean? And that was his big thing. It affected our relationship a lot. Um, but I think... Once I started hormones, and he saw, you know, me grow a beard, I had short hair, the world was perceiving me as a cis man. That's when he was okay with being around me in public, which hurts. <laughs> <laughs> but um, he didn't take it very well. But he, it's like he needed proof to take it well. You know what I mean? That's kind of how it went with my dad. <laughs> Not the best story. But... but you said that, like, everybody goes through their own transition in a family, like... Mm -hmm. Yeah. Do you think he had to like go through a transition to? Oh, 100%. Yeah. I think he's still on, he's still in that transition. 
and you know just within the this the past year and a half is he referring to me with the correct pronouns and stuff um but i think i think he just is more like as I think he's more just like, I don't care anymore. Like, my kid is just happy, and that that's all that matters to me. And I think it helps him see the outside world in not such a ignorant way, I guess, if that makes sense. I uh. think he does have – he has more learning to do. But I know for a fact that if I wasn't trans, he would still be a very, you know, closed-minded individual. <laughs> I think it definitely opened his eyes in a lot of senses. Uh. What town did you grow up in? Like, what kind of environment did you grow up in? Um, I feel like for a lot of trans people, a lot of people say, you know, oh, this, you know, my childhood was like this, so that's why I'm trans. I had a very happy childhood. Like, my both, my parents are divorced. Uh, they divorced when I was five. Um, but that never bothered me. It wasn't like a traumatic thing to me. Um, I really did get more presents on Christmas, so I was happy. <laughs> uh, I had a lot of friends, you know. I was in the closet as a, and I hate saying this word because it, bleh, but like identifying with myself, I hate saying it. But I, I identified as a lesbian for a long time, but I didn't tell anybody. I never like came out as as gay or anything. I had girlfriends, and I never told my mom. But, like, she knew. You know what I mean? Like, she she knew. Like, when one girl would sleep over every weekend or whatever, you know? Because um, I just never felt comfortable. There was no communication in my family at the time. And I think now that I'm trans, I think I opened that door of communication in my family. I remember being in middle school, like, terrified to tell my mom or my sister things about who I had a crush on. Like, I, I kept everything to myself. And I think... When I was forced to tell everyone I was trans, it also opened up that door for me to be to be able to communicate to people, you know, hard things. <laughs> mm. Yeah, and then it makes them want to also tell their truth. That's that's really what Faith and I are working on in terms of like the themes of this family, you know, mm -hmm. who felt like they were cursed and really right. find out that they have a blessing, you know, not that mm -hmm. they're cursed, but that they're blessed. But like. Mm -hmm. Very true. How does everybody have to tell the truth, you know, on that process in their life to turn their shame into their blessing? Very true. I have a whole episode about is being trans a gift or a curse? And I think a lot of people, oh, wow. when, they, when they first come out, it's, it's, oh, it's a curse. Like, I hate being this way. And then throughout your transition, medical or not, it, you learn that actually it's a gift that I'm like this. You know what I mean? Mm. You, you you end up having so many skills and talents and the way you see yourself, the way you know yourself uh -huh. is so different from what most cis people, how most people, how most cis people perceive themselves. You know what I mean? Like to be able, not to get really deep, but to look in the mirror and like be like, shit, I know exactly who I am is a huge uh -huh. thing. It's a huge thing that most cis people cannot do. And I honestly, I think it's a superpower. I don't know. <laughs> But yeah. yeah, yeah, no, it's definitely, it's definitely, a, I, I feel the same way. And it's sort of like, it's like the gift, the gift, what is being trans, but I didn't have the language. So for me, the gift was the language. 
and being able to meet people mm. who were like, yeah, I'm both. And then mm. the language that was created in the trans community became an opportunity for me to be like, oh, right, I've always been this. Like, this is who I've always been. So, yeah, the tr it's true. I, I do think the transness is a superpower, and I think it causes people a lot when they know about it. And then, it, like, I think when people don't recognize their own transphobia or don't recognize their own transness, it can cause a lot of chaos in the world. Right, yeah. And I think a lot of trans people start off by being transphobic too like i had probably i was so transphobic before mm. okay I mean, i didn't like hate trans people or anything but like i remember there was a person in the grade below me but we went to school together and they were trans in high school and i remember being like you know all the kids were like why is this person using the boys the boys bathroom what are they doing and I remember somebody asked me and this is before I was trans they were like how do you feel about that and I was like honestly I don't care like do what you want but maybe like use the other bathroom like I remember those words came out of my mouth wow. and ever since then I was like what the what what was I thinking <laughs> like no like that's not how it works you know what I mean it's all about growth in every aspect you know you know what I'm saying it's, that's basically my whole point there yeah, I mean, yeah, we didn't have the language, you know? Right. And all it is is just talking about it. Like, you just get people to talk about it, and most of the time, it, all, you want, all you want out of it is to get them to think. If they, don't, if, they don't, if they still end up being transphobic at the end of the day, it's okay, at least you tried. Yeah, I guess so, yeah. Right? It's That's like, nice to want to do the emotional labor of trying. Sometimes they do, and sometimes they just don't. Yeah, no, it's, it's not easy. <laughs> It's hard. <laughs> I think you pick and choose who you want to educate at the end of the day. Some people you know, it's just like, okay, it's not going to get anywhere. <laughs> uh -huh. um, one more question about the show itself. Um, I want to know what were the best and hardest parts about directing it, writing it, all of the above. Hmm. <clears throat> I mean, the best part was, you know, all of it. The whole thing was just an absolute and utter privilege as a as a trans person and as an artist to have the opportunity to make the things I wanted to make and learn the things I wanted to learn and explore using like the principles of improv that I had learned in Chicago and the principles of like circle-based pedagogy that Judy Chicago brings to feminist organizing and bring it all to the movie set, you know, bring it off all to the film set, mm -hmm. prioritize bodies over schedules and budgets you know, we yeah. created a process that was feminist, um, and every moment was an absolute gift. I mean, it was amazing. Both shows, Transparent and I Love Dick. Um, the hard part, you know, is reality, where you don't get to, you know, write the words and tell people what to say and where to stand and have them do it again if they didn't do it right. Mm. You know, yeah. I spent, like, a lot of time making making things, you know, instead of living my life, and that was mm. super fun. Yeah, no, I can imagine. It's probably very hard, especially when you're, I mean, I know not the whole time you were dealing with your own gender identity, but subconsciously you probably were, but I can't imagine having to write a show, direct a show all about gender and then deal with my own and have no time probably to deal with my own gender identity. Well, that's kind of what you're doing yeah. with this show. <laughs> I guess, yeah. You're I mean, yourself I, to everything you do. For sure. I think, you know, for me, I found out who I was way before 
this podcast. I found out I was trans way before, but through learn- listening to everybody else's experiences, experiences and stuff, I still every week learn something more about my own transition, which is really cool. Which is why it's important to talk to people and like to have yeah. other trans people in your life. You know what I mean? Even old trans people like me. The <laughs> <Yildy> trans people. <laughs> um, from the Stone Age. From the Stone Age. <laughs> you know, there's there's an ongoing joke in this podcast that I call my guests old by accident. No oh, matter really? how they so, are. Yes. <laughs> Add me to the top of the list. I think I'm, I'm old-ass. <laughs> I've called like a 30-year-old old on this podcast, so I'm surprised I haven't offended you by accident <laughs> calling you old. It's all, it's all good. <laughs> um, now I want to get into a transparent musical a little bit. So at what point from Transparent the Show did you know it was going to turn into a musical? So... Faith, my sibling, who maybe you can have them on one day. They're amazing and a total genius, or as their partner Bitch likes to say, a vanius. <laughs> They're a total vanius. I love um, that. You know, have been writing music and lyrics since we were we were little. So, like, coming back to that image of me and Faith, like, as these little girl boys, you know, having no idea what gender was, but listening to Jesus Christ Superstar and Hair and... Mm-hmm. Fiddler on the Roof and just dreaming one day of having our own Broadway musical. That was really that was really who we were from like zero to ten. And then I think we both got into the things we got into, you know. I got into documentaries, Faith got into musicals. I was working in Chicago as a production assistant. I worked on that movie Hoop Dreams as a PA. I just like really wanted to be in the documentary world. That was my dream was to be a doc filmmaker and I'm working on documentary projects now and it's still like it's still my dream. Faith awesome. went into the world of musicals um and really wrote hilarious one person feminist musicals in Boston like she they wrote a show called Jesus Has Two Mommies mm-hmm. that like the Catholic Church came out and protested and like Faith was always writing musicals. I was always, you know, documenting things. And then when my dad came out, Faith and I immediately started making a documentary musical about my dad's transness. That's we awesome. not only turned on our cameras, but we hired a camera crew and <laughs> began to make a documentary musical. That's so cool. <clears throat> we still have the footage if you can get you know the demand to rise. Um, yeah. And we documented so many things. You know, we were writing songs in the chapel of the hospital where my stepdad was you know in surgery like faith and i think we're losing our minds to the fact that our dad was trans and having like a manic creative reaction and just like this is a film it's a musical let's sell it (laughs) and faith has this kind of like you know amazing ability to write a song at any moment out of anything like faith would rather be singing a comedy song than having a conversation you know, they're sort of like always in comedy music flow. So that was really the very first thing we were going to do. Then Transparent, the TV show happened. And so we think like in some ways we were always heading to this musical because Shelly was always trying to grab a hold of the show and the microphone. Mm-hmm. And she was always trying to make it her one woman show. And this musical is still her stealing the show, you know. Hopefully you will come to opening night on Broadway, Cody, and you will see like Shelly still 
demands, you know, these are her people on Broadway. These are her women, you know, yeah. these older, older women, and this is their night, you know? Yeah. And, you know, Moore that. is played by an amazing trans woman who, who's faith is writing harmonies for two trans women to be singing together for the first time in history. It's like, you know, with Shelley singing on the cruise ship and then the musical as season five, like we were always, since we were little kids, we were always on our way here. That's awesome. I absolutely love that. And you said it's coming to Broadway in 2024, right? That's the dream. That's the hope. Yes. Awesome. I am so excited. Uh, now, I did. I do have a question here says, that says, where did the inspiration for the soundtrack come from? And I know that Faith handles. Yeah, you got to have Faith on here. The, yeah. They're yeah. going to be your favorite new person. Yeah. They're just, They're actually coming out here to Providence oh, really? Town, and we're going to be together for New Year. So. I would, I would 100% have them on here. Um, now, what has it been like collabing with your sibling through all of this? We've always been best friends and collaborators since we were little. Like we, you know, are 18 months apart. We kind of feel like twins. And I don't write music. Um, I write, you know, lyrics. I like to kind of like write dialogue. We both like jokes and comedy, you know, and so... And again, like, they were always more of a lesbian, and I was more of a straight person when we thought we were cis. So we weren't really competing in any way ever about anything, you know. They were really right. athletic. I was like, I love to read. So we're kind of just like these little matching, mm. you know, horoscope yeah. twins. And Perfect. Like two halves make a whole. Yes. And so it's yeah. really effortless to work together. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, I want to know how the process of – creating writing and just working on a musical or you know a transparent musical was different from the tv show yeah it's like it's totally different you know it's it's as different as different can be it's it's almost incomparable in terms of processes so like with a tv show or with a movie i would write the script and then i would be on the set and while i'm filming it and figuring out where the camera is i'm giving the actors like maybe some new lines we're improvising we're learning as they're acting mm -hmm. I'm having feelings. I'm tracking my feelings. Mm. I'm using the response in my body to give actors notes. It's like this incredibly alive, mm -hmm. almost documentary improv street theater on a set, you know, when mm. I'm directing. So, did, and sorry, go ahead. In, I was, and so in a play, it's like a, I call it like a slow motion car accident. It's like a five to 10 year process where. Songs are written, scenes are written, stories are written, storylines are written, and everything gets weather tested over and over and over again for sturdiness mm. in front of audiences and workshops and investors until like, hopefully by the time we land on Broadway, we've built something that's so seaworthy in terms of everything, you know, story and actors and song. And it's like a thousand layer lasagna dip, you know, <laughs> And I am but one of a thousand layers. Yeah. And and yet it is based on IP that I created. Mm -hmm. So right. as a writer, I, I'm one of a thousand layers. And as the person who created the inspirational material, you know, yeah. that's comes from my heart and soul. So it's awkward at times, you know, <laughs> that I have so much less control, but it's a, it's right. a beautiful machine that Eva Price and Tina Landau are at the helm of, and they've brought amazing projects to Broadway and Faith and I just feel really lucky to be 
on this journey with them. Yeah. I I think that's to, to make something and watch it become so many different things it has got to be the most that that that's like the dream come true i feel like you know what i mean yeah awesome. there's so much there you know from this little project that was me going okay I, ra I, rather than like deal with my feelings i'm gonna play dolls about my family and write this half hour script and like the inability to sell it nobody really wanted to make it even though i had spent a lot of time working you know at hbo and showtime i worked on six feet under i worked on united states of terror i worked on looking i worked on like every show ever but when it came time for me to do my own show, it was just, I think, too transgressive. And only Amazon was, like, the ones left standing being like, okay, let's try this. So it was, like, 10 years ago, and it was considered, like, that, yeah, this might be a little bit too much for the American public. Because, yeah, you said her name before where you were, I, I said you worked with some really talented people like Tina Landau, MJ Kaufman. Even and MJ, is, MJ and I are writing the book together. And MJ would be another yeah. amazing <laughs> older trans person. <laughs> um, yeah, we're all old together. And, yeah, yeah, they're super brilliant. And they bring, like, the knowledge of Broadway and theater that I know nothing about. Um and they're actually a huge part of holding the lasagna together and making it all make sense. <laughs> That's awesome. At a stage. You've, yeah, you've worked with some really, really cool people that I've, I read about. That's awesome. Um, Sorry about ask... the sounds of my loud radiator. <laughs> You're totally fine. You can barely hear it. Plus, Max is a wizard. He could, he could take anything okay. out. Okay. Mix it out, Max. <laughs> um, so what's next for you and what are you most excited for that you want people to know about? Hmm. Okay, well, the musical hopefully is like the next big thing. I'm working on a documentary about a neighborhood that Faith and I grew up in. It was a kind of like racial experiment in Chicago, kind of a little bit of like a modernist utopia. And I'm working on that uh, with Monkey Paw. And that's a documentary feature that hopefully will be finished in the spring. It's called The South Commons Experiment. So yeah, we grew up in like a transracial and trans... <laughs> transgender childhood, I think. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. I'm um, excited to see that. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. There was a lot, there's a lot behind it of like, you know, what was happening with sociology at the time and, and how neighborhoods were um, being designed to, you know, make people behave a certain way, be more tolerant, be more loving, be more willing to live in the melting pot, you know, right. right. The promise of modernism. So <laughs> the promise That's of awesome. science, the fiction of science. Right. Cool. I can't wait to see that. Um, and I want to ask you maybe what are some, what's your final thoughts, any advice for all the trans and non-binary people listening? If you have Gosh, it. I don't have any. I, I, I'm <laughs> becoming who I am from like watching all you guys on the TikTok. Period. I feel and like that's... you're all free. We're all, we all had to go through the previous life when we didn't have these words, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I mean, hey, that's good advice. Just keep keep looking for trans representation anywhere you can find it and learn from it. Yeah. It's and like, important. for me, it's like full time creating a trans normativity so that I can sort of just like feel the privilege of being cis and, mm -hmm. and just reimagining the world, you know, if it existed in my image, like how, how would I feel? And would I be ashamed? You know, would I be mm -hmm. constantly dealing with the feeling of shame? You know, a lot of writers are always dealing with the feeling of shame. I think that's like what a lot of creativity is about. Mm -hmm. um, 
but the transness I think is just a lightning rod, you know, right now. And I think if you're trans, even creating trans normativity with like a film, it's not just like when you say inclusivity representation, it's almost like you're talking to the cis world and like demanding include us, let us mm -hmm. represent us. But I'd rather be like talking to the trans creators and be like, you have a phone, you have your friends, you know, Faith and I were inspired by what Adam Sandler, you know, <laughs> did, you know, watching just like cis comedy boys have a mm -hmm. ball mm -hmm. and film it. Yeah. And just, you know, reminding ourselves over and over again to locate ourselves in that world where we're surrounded by people like us. We're safe. We're safe to improvise. We're safe to film it. And, you know, that's art making. Art is love made visible. So make the art, you know, where you center your transness. Have like, you know, the self-respect to actually share it with people. That's the hard part. You know, have a screening, invite people over, mm -hmm. listen to their feedback, and then let let things go where they may. But like, create that situation for yourself. You know, I'm, I'm always, I remember actually that Faith and I, like when we were in our 20s, you know, I watched this like interview of me and Faith in our 20s and I had like this, this crazy hair and I'm sitting like with my legs like so man spreading like I'm so clearly a dude. <laughs> um, but we were like launched into the comedy world at this moment and like had this moment where we almost got hired to work on SNL. Faith mm. and I went to meet Lauren Michaels and we're like almost ushered into that world, you know, but instead mm. like it was just not the right place for us. But as a creator you know, Faith and I, I have to kind of take all of that protagonism of all of those cis men who created what is comedy for me. So I have to take all of the protagonism of Monty Python and everything of all the men who've ever been on SNL, you know, and and everything that came from SNL, all the yeah. movies that came from SNL. That's our legacy. That's me and Faith's legacy from Chicago. Like, these are our people. But because we're non-binary trans people, we were kind of always over here. Mm -hmm. so we have to kind of I just have to remind myself like the protagonism the comfort of just being like a cis guy comedian in his 20s who just thinks he's hilarious his friends thinks he think he's hilarious his mom thinks he's hilarious he's always getting snacks and he's just like free to make stuff yeah and we have to like create that for ourselves as trans people in every moment to just feel the basics of being relaxed enough to like take risks when we make art very true. Kind of falls into like the whole fake it till you make it. Fake the confidence and the confidence will just come kind of deal. That's what's gotten mm -hmm. me through my transition, I feel like. Yeah, I mean, and, and yeah, we totally inspire each other. Like, I don't, you know, I, I have no idea like what it means to be trans and to be this age, you know. So I learned from you guys. And I like what you said in the beginning there is of like, you don't, you just stop like demanding things from cis people. Stop demanding your representation. Kind of just do it. You know, you want the art, make the art. I like that yes. a lot. Yeah. You That's have to. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. Like nobody's coming over and like saying like, let me see what's on your hard drive. Right. Like nobody. Yeah. yeah. They're not coming. Like <laughs> you have to like, <laughs> yeah, you have to put it out there yourself. Um. Now, do you, have a song that has resonated with you throughout your transition or not? Okay, you asked me that and I have, I, there are certain songs that I think of as trans songs and I don't know why and I think of them as non-binary songs and I don't know why 
Um, and I swear it has something to do with like the going back and forth between the speakers, that thing that yeah, people yeah, like yeah. listen to. Do you uh-huh. know what that's called? Like, I don't know what it's called, but I know you're talking about. It's like, it's kind of like a version of like, yeah, like you can feel it in your brain. And there's a song called Miseray by the Cat Empire. Miseray by the Cat Empire. Like I'm putting M-I-S-E-R-E. that in the link below. Yeah, I'm linking that in the description below for. for okay, I'm yeah, I don't know it. why. I, I barely even know what it's about, but it feels very trans. Feels very trans. I love to that. it. I love that. Hey, I mean, like, I grew up on like High School Musical, and like one of the stupid songs about there's it's one called "The Boys Are Back," and it's like two cis dudes like being the most masculine they've ever been in their lives, but they're oh. like singing, and to me, that's like trans. Like, and it makes right. no sense, but to me, it's trans. <laughs> so yeah. I get it. <laughs> yeah, it's genderific. Uh, I will definitely link that in the description below. Thank you for sharing that song. I'm excited Amazing. to listen to it. Um, and where can people follow you? I guess on the Instagram. I'm not really, like, making anything right now, so I'm not really participating or mm-hmm. promoting. I'm just kind of more in a writing mode. Cool. Um, I feel like when you're promoting, is like, a good time to be out there, like, on the social media, but if I don't have to be, I'm trying to just like get back to my writing voice, find my, find it, figure out what matters. That's all. That's all that matters is figuring out what matters. <laughs> um, that's so awesome. trans. That's so trans. <laughs> the logic of that is so trans. <laughs> <laughs> Truly. <laughs> um, okay. So make sure you follow, follow Joey at, is it Joey Soloway? Just your name. Mm-hmm. Nice. Uh, make sure you follow Joey. And make sure you follow me at HRT Podcast on TikTok and Instagram. I post videos every single day. Uh, make sure you join the Discord in the in the description below. Patreon, subscribe to my Patreon. I'd appreciate it. You guys know the spiel, whatever. Um, and I drop videos on here every Tuesday. Subscribe to me on YouTube and follow me on Spotify. I would appreciate it. And Joey, thank you so much for being on today. This meant a lot to me. Uh, this is definitely a milestone for the podcast, so I very much appreciate you sharing your time with me. Oh my gosh, I appreciate you. Thank you so much for talking. Of course. Uh, and I will see you guys next week. Thank you so much. Bye.